aim a little higher, episode 19. All big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. You are locked into Aim a Little Higher podcast, where we interview inspirational individuals every Monday and Wednesday and answer your questions every Saturday to help turn your potential into results. I know you're going to dig this. Introducing your host, he was an Olympic torchbearer, Pete Jones' National Entrepreneur of the Year and motivational speaker, Kamal Hyman. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Aim a Little Higher podcast. It's your boy, Kamal Hyman, and it's my absolute pleasure to introduce today's guest. Today's guest is a 23-year-old media producer and entrepreneur fresh out of New York City. He currently hosts the podcast Tiny Leaps, Big Changes and spends all of his time trying to identify and share simple strategies that you can use to get the most out of your life. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce Greg Clunis. Greg, how are you doing today, man? Doing fantastic, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's absolutely awesome to have you on the show. You know, we we met through kind of, you know, the, the podcaster's paradise where, yeah. where we hang out and learn about podcasting. And yeah, I just loved your show and your your attitude your kind of mindset to it all and you know we've had a few brainstorms on ideas which has been awesome so it's great to finally get you onto the show and share some of your knowledge with the audience over here yeah man i'm pumped and hopefully at least one person out there will get something from it so so let's let's go beautiful beautiful so you know the aim a little higher movement is it's all about setting solid foundations you know we say don't chase your dreams build them so can we find out a bit more about your foundation? What were you like as a young child? Yeah, so I was I was, I was a very curious kid. I I've always have been. And as a result of that, as a result of that curiosity, which I'm very proud that I still hold on to today, um, the whole quote-unquote follow your passion idea never really resonated with me because – there's never going to be one single thing that I'm passionate about because there's so many things I want to learn and so many things I want to experience. Um, tie into that, I was an immigrant. I, I'm, as you said, I'm I'm from New York City, but I uh, I was born in Jamaica and hey. came over when I was eight, so pretty young. Pretty much grew up here, but there was one really interesting thing was that my uh, the culture that I was a part of at home was very different from the culture I was a part of at school. And and so you're sort of entrenched in these two different cultures, and it makes you very curious about what else is out there. What other cultures, what other things can you experience? What else can you learn? And and I think that's really the main thing that has gotten me to the point that I am, is just that drive to continue trying and learning and experiencing different things. Powerful. I love that you held on to that curiosity as well. Because it's scary as people get older, we seem to get less and less curious and less and less imaginative, you know? We start to get yeah. really comfortable with just where we're at, the people we're around, and that's our people, this is our area, and it stays like that, you know? Yeah. So it's so good that you managed to hold on to that and now go and build your, your life around it. Yeah, and you know what? It the Part of the reason that, that we so many people give up on that is simply because as you get older and you get more responsibilities and maybe you have kids or a mortgage or a car payment or whatever the case you know, you have to you have to fit into this box in order to make it all work because life is inherently very difficult. Um, I'm fortunate in that 
I started all of this stuff very early before I had all of those requirements from me. And so I was able to build something before I got to the point that I have a family or before I got to the point that I have too many things that are forcing me into a, a single box. And and I, I'm really, really happy that, that I made that decision. And I know some people aren't as fortunate as I am in order to have made that decision as early as I did. But that's really what it comes back down to is what box are you in and how can you start to find ways to to finagle your way out of it? How early are we talking? Like, how old are we talking when you said, you know what, I'm not going to go down the typical route. Let me figure out what it is I enjoy doing and what I'm curious about. At what age did you kind of make that decision when you say you started early? Uh, I would say 13. Okay. I, um, yeah, so I, I mean, I was... I was a typical sort of quote unquote entrepreneurial kid. I mean, in, mm-hmm. when I was still in Jamaica when I was six or five or whatever, I uh, I was selling pencils in my class, and um, yes. it was actually a funny story. I so I have a lot of older brothers and sisters, and so I inherited a lot of stuff from them, like school supplies, and I just had a ton of stuff. And I'm the last child, so I didn't have to go to anybody else. Um, as a result, I realized well. I'm never going to use this stuff. So I, I would bring them into class and sell them whenever kids didn't have theirs. <laughs> nice. uh, that didn't end too well once the uh, once my teacher found out. But uh, that's a different <laughs> conversation. Um, but no, when I was when I was 13 is sort of when it all solidified. I visited uh, one of my older brothers. He's, I think, about 12 years older than me. Uh, I visited him down in Florida and... I was going to stay the summer with him. So I got there and he handed me a book and it was a massive book. Uh, and he said, by the end of the summer, you have to finish reading this. So I was 13. Let me let me remind you of that, because yeah. my older brother, who is probably about 12 years older than me, he is not a bodybuilder, but he's a personal trainer. So he's a big, muscular guy. Like, he, I, I was terrified of him. Is what I'm <laughs> so when he told me that I have to read this book, it's like, okay, I'm going to read this book because I value my life. And, uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Whatever you say. As, as a result, like that book was Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. Okay. And that sort of started everything. That opened my mind to, well – the there are all the all of these possibilities like i can try and build all of these things um fast forward let's say a month uh, i was still down in florida at my brother's place and he had a friend come it was one of his clients who was super successful i think in the fashion industry if i remember correctly and she asked me what i wanted to do when i graduated school and and what i wanted to go to college for and i said i really don't know because i'm so interested in all of these things she said you should do business because when you do business you can pursue pretty much anything you want mm. and that's that's when it clicked that's when it was like oh i i can do business and use that knowledge to pursue all of these interests that i have powerful so that that sort of set off this snowball of what can my life actually look like if I try to build it from now? And I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was like every other 13-year-old kid. I was lazy. I was mm-hmm. so lazy. Uh, it wasn't until I was about 17 that I actually started taking action on a lot of the things that I learned. But the reason those four years were so critical was simply because I was able to 
change a lot of how I approached things. My mindset was able to take that time and shift into something that opened the possibilities that that I now enjoy during those four years where, where I wasn't really even doing anything, but I realized what was possible. Okay, powerful stuff. And especially the bit about figuring out that if you just learned business, you could then use that knowledge to go into whatever industry you like. And I guess that's where we, we clash with that belief of not following your passions you mentioned earlier on. And yeah. I take it as that's not, you're not saying don't do something you enjoy, but you're saying if your passion might be, for example, football, don't just go and be a footballer, go and figure out how many different things you could do to still fulfill that passion. Is that, is that kind of where you're coming from? Yeah, I mean, essentially what I mean is that for me, the question of follow your passion led to a lot of inaction. Okay. Because there's so many paths that that can lead down. What I discovered for myself was that instead of focusing on am I passionate about this, like you said, focus on do I enjoy this? Do I want to explore this? Am I interested in this? Mm -hmm. And then take the skills that you currently have and figure out how you can apply it to that. As you said, if you are passionate about football, maybe you can be a football player. But if not, if you're already past that point, there's so many other things you can do that are related to the football industry. So you don't just because you're passionate about playing football doesn't mean that that's the only thing you you should be focusing on is what I'm trying to say. Awesome. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And I'm so glad you said about starting early, you know, uh, as part of my role, I travel around the UK, I speak in schools, colleges and youth organisations. And I come to these students, I'm like, what do you want to do? It's like, oh, you know, I really want to sing. I really want to start a business. I'm like, awesome. What are you doing right now? Oh, nothing. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, cool. What's your YouTube channel? Oh, I don't have one. I'm like, all right, cool. You want to start a business? What are you selling right now? You've got a service, a product? No, I haven't started yet. And I'm like, what are you waiting for? You know, I started my first yeah. business like when I was seven years old. <laughs> I got <laughs> a table outside my front garden and started renting out my games and DVDs to my neighbors, you know, and it, and it just went from idea to idea from there. So I'm so glad you touched on starting early and building that foundation early so you can enjoy it later on before the responsibilities come. A hundred percent agree with that. So I have to salute you for <laughs> mentioning that one. <laughs> And, you know, while we're on the subject of you, you being young, what was your education route? Did you did you feel like you had to go school, college, university? Were you someone who went to college? What, what was your what route did you take? Yeah, so I did go to college. I, I graduated with a bachelor's in art and um, the route I, I wasn't nec- I always I always hated school. Let's just start there. Mm-hmm. Um, I love learning. Let me clarify. I love learning i adore it and that's the whole reason that i'm doing the show um but i always felt like school was not the right path for me uh the reason that i went and i do not regret it at all i think it was the right decision for me at that time uh was because i felt that my parents deserved to see me go through that um and as I said, I completely do not regret it. I'm grateful that I spent that time there. But in order for me to make that decision, it didn't come from my own desire to go. It came from the desire to pay my parents back, essentially, for what they had sacrificed coming to America for me and my sister. Okay. Um, 
and so that's sort of where it started. But to answer your question, yes, I, I did go through uh, four years, got my bachelor's degree. At some point, I'm probably going to go back and get a PhD. Just, But I want – essentially what I'm trying to create is a situation where I can go and pursue a PhD simply because I'm fascinated by the subject rather than because I'm trying to get a better job. Beautiful. Beautiful. And that's the right way to do it, I think. You know, to to be and and you you're in control. It's not coming out of a place of desperation by the sounds of it. It's more of a place of actual curiosity. That theme still continuing from when you're younger, but you're yeah. going for that reason, and I think that's beautiful. And you'll enjoy it every day. Absolutely, absolutely. That. So yeah, that's powerful stuff, man. And you like saying, you know, you've been quite entrepreneurial since a young age, and you're an entrepreneur right now. Um, have you ever had a typical job? And if so, what was your first job? Your first normal pay per hour job? So my first ever job was at McDonald's. Okay. Um, yeah, that was, I, I think I lasted about a month and a half. <laughs> uh, it was the summer right after I graduated high school. And I had three or four months before I was going to leave for, for college. So I figured why not get a job and, you know, save some money. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I I lasted about a month and a half of those three months. I told them that I had to leave for college early <laughs> in order to to justify my leaving. Um, no, I I I personally hated that job. Um, and a, it's I I really do believe that, and I've heard this. I've heard a lot of other people say this. I really do believe that having that job and realizing the path I didn't want to go down was a big part of sort of creating that fear of ever having to end back up there. oh massively you have to you i completely agree you have to experience it to know that it's not for you yeah absolutely 100%. like I, mean, um, I used to have a job at a bowling alley and i remember the manager came one day and said there's some poo on the floor that needs cleaning up and, <laughs> and at that stage you're kind of like Do you know what i i don't think this is for me you know <laughs> and, yeah yeah no but i've i've done mcdonald's i've done retail i've done um retail was actually probably so my first job was mcdonald's my worst job was was uh uniqlo i don't know if you're familiar with the clothing brand but um it was a retail position and i think i think only lasted like a month there um but yeah i've done uh fast food i've done retail i've done uh hosting at an at an uno's um and then after i graduated college i took my first full-time corporate job uh doing marketing for a small software company here in the city i love the fact that your your theme of curiosity you're not just saying it i can hear through every single story there's curiosity it was like retail i'm gonna try mcdonald's i'm gonna try you know and you, you kept on exploring things until you found what fits you and i love that message explore until you find the thing that that clicks for you yeah and i mean if if we can jump back to my college years really quickly, yeah. I think that almost shows that point to a fault. Um, so so as I mentioned, you know, I had this realization when I was thirteen. If you study business and learn business, you can apply it to all these other things. Um, fast forward to college, I entered as a marketing major my freshman year, and I had prior experience in marketing from all of these projects I I tried during high school. Um, and sort of self-taught. So I entered as a marketing major with the idea that I was going to learn more about this field and be able to apply it anywhere. 
um, switched from marketing to a computer science degree during my sophomore year. And the reason for that was because I was building a, a tech startup and I wanted to be able to, to accurately communicate with the programmers that I was bringing on. So I had no goals of being a programmer myself. I just wanted to understand how they were building the product I was asking them to build. Okay. So I switched to computer science. Uh, very soon realized that I am not a math person at all, like, <laughs> not even a little bit. So I, uh, I switched from computer science to IT. Uh, then I switched from IT to psychology because I hated IT. Uh, psychology, I realized I wasn't going to be able to graduate on time, so I switched to economics. Wow. Um, economics, I liked, but it was still very math-based, and I, I don't think I had realized that when I chose it. So uh, finally, I made the switch to art after doing a study abroad in Australia for a semester where I focused on uh, music production and audio engineering. And um, fun fact, that the skill that I picked up of being an audio engineer is now incredibly valuable in <laughs> Tell me being able it. to be self-employed and build a podcast and uh, do media production for other clients. So uh, what I'm trying to get at is I had a really, really rough college experience with all of these majors and nearly didn't graduate on time because of credits. Um, but every single one of those majors has paid off in spades. Like I've applied every single skill that I picked up whether it be in IT or psychology or uh, computer science, everything has been applied since graduating. And it's part of the reason that I'm where I am now because I was able to pick all of those things up, which increased my value in terms of who would be willing to pay me. And, and it just created all of these opportunities. Powerful. Pow you, you are still a curious guy. <laughs> but no, I love that so much. And I think... A massive takeaway for our listeners is go and explore like I, I can't stress it enough and I think your story just perfectly sums it up go and explore don't just think that I'm doing this and I'm probably gonna love it. I'm gonna keep on doing it or feel like in order to get somewhere I have to take this path no go out there and explore try different things and don't be scared to move on and say this isn't for me and I, I salute your story because to be honest I think a lot of people in your situation wouldn't have had the guts to say, to step back from a course, say, actually, this isn't for me, let me go and try something else. Whereas you clearly had it in your head, I'm going to keep going until I find the thing that's for me. And now you found it and now it's following you throughout the rest of your life, basically, and in the career you're doing now. So that's awesome. And have you had any like surprising achievements that you think have helped you on the way? So maybe at the time, it didn't seem like a big deal, but later on you thought, actually, I'm so glad that happened. And not necessarily academic, but any sort of surprising achievement at all. Yeah, so the biggest thing is actually a perfect – it's perfectly related back to what I was just saying. So when I was a computer science major and uh, when I was working on that tech startup, and we put in, I would say, about a year and a half into it. Um, I taught myself web design during that period. And uh, it, it was a little bit easier because it was very similar to what I was learning in classes, even though it wasn't directly the same. Um, so I taught myself web design and uh, – at the time, it was just, okay, I'm going to learn this so that I can work on this startup that we're doing. And the startup ended up going nowhere. But what I 
have since realized is that the whole reason that I was able to leave my uh, corporate nine to five job was because I could bring on web design clients because I, I had the skill to uh, sell and service these clients myself. Web design has a very high margin as far as how much you make on it. And so I was able to put all of that money directly into a savings account. That savings account then became my runway and I was able to leave my job. So without a doubt, I I look back and think, wow, I'm so glad I spent that year and a half on that startup because even though it never went anywhere, it wasn't the million dollar company I wanted it to be. That skill is 100% why I am why i'm here powerful powerful again i i love that it's the it might seem like a failure at the time because like I say i had these these big goals for it it didn't work but actually that skill was transferable yeah and now you've taken that elsewhere and made it work for you that's yeah awesome. and that's the number one thing i've learned throughout my 23 years of being alive is that skills are transferable like it, one of the things that I talk about on my show is this fear of failure. And so many people are afraid to even try something simply because they're afraid that they're, they're going to fail in public. Mm. And then so many other people are afraid to try things because they're afraid that they're going to succeed. And then if they succeed, can they maintain it? And what I've come to realize is that number one, as you know, I'm sure failure doesn't really matter all of that much. And number two, the skills you gain are really what the value is because that's the thing that stays with you forever. That's the knowledge and the understanding and the perspective that you're going to apply 10, 30 years from now. So forget about the outcome of the thing you're working on. It might fail or it might not, but forget about that outcome. Focus on the things that you're learning and experiencing and that you're going to be able to bring to the next thing. Powerful, powerful and also true. Um, we're going to go to the moment where, you know, you found out that it was production that was for you. And I just want to know from from finding out at that point, you know, the kind of last step in your journey where you said, okay, music production um, and and podcasting is your goal. What did you do to kind of build it and turn that vision into reality? So it wasn't just like a pipe dream anymore. Yeah. So let me let me just uh, correct you really quickly. It's media production. Um, and the moment that I found out about that, I got into podcasting about a, I guess about a year and a half now, almost two years. And, you know, I started my first show. It was fun. I, I definitely enjoyed doing it, but I didn't like the show that I created. So I stopped it. Uh, a couple months later, I started the second show. Once again, it was fun and I enjoyed being in front of the microphone and I got, compliments on my voice and on x and y and z and mm. it was a good experience but i didn't enjoy the show that i was creating i was dreading the episodes so wow. i stopped it um after that i realized well this skill of podcasting is another skill that i have that is marketable it's something people would be willing to pay me for because it's not necessarily a common skill so that's when I started bringing on clients and networking in the space and producing shows. And that's where the media production aspect came from was realizing, well, at the time, I thought that podcasting for me wasn't going to work out. But I now had this skill that that people were willing to pay me, not just 
ones, which is what web design was, but on a recurrent basis, on a month-to-month basis. And there's a lot of power in that as far Mm. as being able to say, okay, well, I'm going to be okay for the next six months because I have a client that is, we have a contract for six months. There's no backing out of that. So that in itself was a huge revelation. Um, But then uh, last September, I realized you know, I really miss being in front of a microphone. I was producing all of these shows for clients. I was helping them grow their shows. I was sort of fine-tuning my production skills and my process and, and all of these things. But I wanted to be in front of the microphone. I wanted to get my voice and my ideas out there. And um, that sort of coincided perfectly with this growing frustration with the personal development space. And I, as I mentioned, the first business or personal development book I read was uh, Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within. That was a very different type of book than the personal development books that have been released in the last two years. And the message has changed. The message is now, let's say something that sounds nice, mm. but doesn't have much practicality behind it. Um, and that's the the issue I have with follow your passion is that that is a good thing to do. And it's great to try and not chase your passions, but as you say, build it. But that's the problem exactly is it's being sold as something you chase. It's being mm-hmm. sold as something that you start where you are today. And in a week, you're doing your passion, you're a lifestyle blogger or you're a photographer and you're doing that full time. For real. And no, that's not the case. It's a very long and arduous process. There's a lot of things you have to learn. There's a lot of things you have to experience. And it is work. You have to put in so much work and sacrifice so many things. And that's not the message that's being sold. So I got frustrated with that. And I wanted to get back in front of the microphone. And being a huge, curious nerd that likes to read scientific research papers in his spare time, All of that just sort of combined into Tiny Leap's Big Changes. So I I launched the show and I still have, uh, I've been journaling every day for about uh, four months now. I still have the day that it launched. I wrote down all of the things that I was anxious about and scared of. And will people listen to it? Am I people going to think I'm stupid for saying this? Is this even the type of content they want? All of these just fears and anxieties. Yeah. And then the show broke all of my goals for it within the first two weeks. Wow. And and I don't just mean my goals for that month. I mean my goals for the first two months. So that's when I realized, well, this show works. People want this content. And so to to bring it back to the question, media production became the thing for me when I realized that it's a skill I have that is – uh, for lack of a better term, rare that people are willing to pay me consistently for. Mm-hmm. And then podcasting and specifically my podcast became the thing for me when I realized how much I missed being in front of the microphone when I got feedback that I seemed like a natural on it. And when I was able to finally create a show that perfectly aligned with the things that I was interested in and and people resonated with it, people loved it. So that's how I got where I am now. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. I love that. And I always love that question because it's, it's like you say, it's so cool to hear about where you're at now, but to actually hear you break down the A, B, C steps of it is what really creates real change. 
So, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners and they can go and actually act upon that advice. So, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. So we're going to go into our rapid round really quickly. I'm just going to chuck a bunch of questions at you and just answer as honestly as you can. Sure. So first and foremost, what time do you wake up? I usually wake up 6.45 on the weekdays and it's usually about 8.45 on the weekends, but I don't set an alarm on the weekends, so it's whenever. Nice. What one thing do you do in the morning to guarantee a productive day? I usually journal uh, first thing as soon as I wake up. Um, and this, this is actually a habit I've been, I'm still in the process of building as just trying to be fully transparent here, but it is something that I've realized the days that I wake up and immediately grab my journal and start writing something, whatever it is, I have the most productive days. I have the most clear mind throughout the day what? and I'm able to stay on track longer than, than days where I wake up and grab my phone first. And what do you journal? Is it just kind of your, your intentions for that day and what's on your mind for that day? Or are you reflecting back on the last day? Well, so I have a um, what I call an everything journal. So everything goes in there from my personal feelings, personal goals, relationship goals, to business stuff, podcast stuff, fears, anxieties. Everything goes in there. And the whole idea is that I'm creating a written log of who I am in this moment. And um, so what I'll journal, if I'm not able to think of a specific thing, then I'll just write down what I remember of my dream or I'll just write down the first hundred words that pop into my head. Um, the goal is really it's more about the writing. The act of waking up and writing something is is more important than what actually gets written. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. If you could be any animal, which would you be and why? I would be a snow leopard and nice. I don't entirely know why, but I've always <laughs> been fascinated by them. I mean, they're such beautiful creatures oh, and I've seen one it. once in my life and uh, it, it was, it's just such a gorgeous creature. If not that, I would be a uh, peregrine falcon. And the reason for that is I have a very specific memory of when I was a child reading a book about birds and it was saying how a peregrine falcon is it's the fastest accelerating animal on the planet. Um, so that was, that's a, that's a fact that's always stuck with me. And for some reason, I, I really love them. Hey, awesome. What's your favorite dessert? Strawberry cheesecake. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Name my grand, my, uh, my aunt makes fantastic cheesecake. Oh, you've got, you've got the home supply. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Oh my gosh, man. <laughs> Name one thing you couldn't go without. I would say my my phone. I um my phone is is it's my connection to everything and sometimes that is a bad thing, but mm -hmm. I'm very big on listening to music. I'm very big on listening to podcasts. I read all of the time and especially being in New York City, I spend so much time on the subway. Like my phone is a necessity. Nice. You're at a karaoke bar. What's your go to song? Oh, it's a good one. Um, Hula Hoop. I can't remember the artist's name right now, but it's, uh, it's a song named Hula Hoop. It came out pretty recently. I'd say in the last like month and a half. Nice. Nice. Tell us something most people don't know about you. Um, I have a very hard time picking what to eat for breakfast. <laughs> okay. It's a very stressful time for me. That's, wow, fair enough. I did not know that before. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, what's your most effective daily habits? 
going to the gym 100 percent uh physical exercise and i'm actually doing an episode on this um on monday the 8th so physical exercise is the most important part of i think everyone's routine but definitely mine because it's it's what keeps me grounded and allows me to deal with a lot of nonsense on a daily basis nice and finally what's your biggest distraction uh, believe it or not, my biggest distraction is anime. Um, oh, Dragon Ball Z! Yeah, Dragon Ball hey. Z, Naruto, One Piece. Like, I'm, I'm such. I, I'm not kidding when I say that I'm a huge nerd. Um, <laughs> I there have been times, especially back in college, where I would sit and binge watch shows for hours, wow. and I don't just mean two hours. I mean like twelve hours. Wow. That's, so yeah, that's a distraction. That, if, I, if I get into that type of zone, I know that I'm not going to be productive for the entire rest of the day. Got you. Got you. Powerful. So why do you do what you do? It's funny. I was asking myself this question just this morning. Um, I do what I do for two main reasons. Number one, I produce the podcast because I... I think that the personal development advice that's out there is very dangerous to a lot of people. I think that uh, the people that are writing it or some of the people that are writing it come from situations where they they have a, more of a safety net than the average person. And as a result of that, they're able to take bigger risks and, and make drastic changes that the average person can't do but they're not presenting their ideas in that way. Good. And so you get situations where regular people who can't afford to make these big risks end up doing it and find themselves in much worse situations. And when you find yourself in that situation, which I've, I've, I've made that mistake myself, it puts you in this position where you start to doubt yourself and your ability to create something special. And that is the worst thing that can happen to a person. So that's that's the number one thing. That's the number one reason that I'm doing the mm-hmm. show and trying to build a brand. Um, number two is a little bit more selfish. And it's simply because I really, truly enjoy every aspect of it. I do all of the editing myself. I do all of the uh, artwork, the website, the research, writing. Everything is done by me because I love the process and I love diving deep into these topics and learning something on a day-to-day basis. Really, the podcast is an excuse for me to be as nerdy as I want to be and (laughs) still be able to pay my bills at the end of the day. Love it. Love it. And for audience members listening who want to get to where you are today, uh, what are three habits or three actions they could take right now? There's really only one thing they can take do right now that's going to get them there okay. at the end of the day it's about starting like mm-hmm. it you have to do something otherwise nothing changes and this is something that i'm still learning like you can do all of the planning in the world you can do all the reading you can learn all of the things for it but nothing happens until you actually do the thing and put it out there that's the only thing that makes a change so there's a, a statement that I say at the ev- end of every single one of my episodes. And if it's all right with you, I'd, I'd like to say it here. Please do. Um, all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. And the reason I say that is because 
one thing that I realized after being able to take the leap and and be where I am now is that the only reason I'm here is because of the last six years of learning and of experiencing and failing and learning new skills and building up client bases and building up a network. All of those things are the reason that I'm here right now, because while it might look like I did this in five months last year, when I was, when I decided, okay, I'm going to quit by the end of the year. No, I, I wouldn't have had the skills to do that. If it wasn't for the six years prior, I wouldn't have had the mindset to do that. If it wasn't for the 10 years prior, this is a very long journey that I've been on and am still on. And the only way that I get here, the only way that you get here is to focus on the small things you can do every day. You might have kids, you might have people that depend on you, you might not have the time, but if you can carve out five minutes and just start to do one tiny thing, it may take you 10 years, but you'll get there. So just start something and focus on the small details. And that's the thing that's going to build up your momentum and get you where you want to be. Powerful powerful i love that just start and like we say on our show is aim a little higher and it sounds like all you're saying is aim a little higher every single day do yeah. something little that makes a large difference i love that and finally before we let you go you're still on the stage in front of ten thousand young people but you're only allowed to give one piece of advice before the men in suits come and drag you off stage what's that one piece of advice the one piece of advice i would give is that whatever it is you're trying to do, the first step to doing it is to gain the, is to be able to say that it's possible to do it. And I think that's a, that's a, something that a lot of people struggle with is, you know, you want to build a business that supports you and your family mm -hmm. when you're older. And the only you may not be able to see how that's possible if you're working at McDonald's right now. You may not be able to see the connection. That's fine. You don't need to see the connection. What you need to be able to do is say, well, that's not an impossible goal. Because if you can view it as not an impossible goal, then you can work towards it. Mm -hmm. But if you view it as impossible, you're never going to do anything to get there. You've already so, disabled yourself there. Yeah. Exactly. So the one piece of advice that I would give somebody is to do whatever you need to do to get to the point where you can view it as possible. And that might mean finding yourself some mentors to look up to. That might mean getting involved in some groups. That might mean just reading a few more books. Whatever it is, just get yourself to the point where it's possible. And, and that's when everything starts. Powerful, powerful. Greg, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute honor to have you on the show. And before we let you go, how can our listeners get in contact with you? Sure. So you are already listening to this podcast. Uh, just do a search for Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, and my show will pop up. It's a big orange block, so should be able to find it pretty easily. Um, and then if you want to get in touch with me directly, you can reach me on Twitter. I am at Greg Clunas. That's my personal account. Or you can talk to me about the show at Tiny Leaps CO. Awesome stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, you can surround yourself with eagles or chickens and you spent time with a true eagle, Mr. Greg Clunas and Kamal Hyman. Continue to aim a little higher and we will see you next time. Peace.
thank you so much for listening to the Amy Little Hair podcast. You could have been anywhere in the world, this to any show. You chose to spend it with us on the Amy Little podcast, and I appreciate it. If you're someone who's sitting there listening to this podcast and been so impressed with the different personal brands we've had on the show, and you're thinking, how on earth do I build a brand? Where do I start? Get over to www.aimalittlehire.com and join the Aim Little Hire tribe where you will receive a crash course in how to build your personal brand being launched on the 15th of February. See you on the other side. Peace.